Hi guys, my name is Kaya Goodman. Today we will be discussing femicide in Latin American countries. We will discuss what exactly femicide is, the factors that contribute to femicide, Latin American countries that have high gender-based murder rates, as well as laws and programs that have been created and put into place to reduce and eventually eradicate femicide in Latin America. Towards the end of the podcast, I will make a prediction on whether femicide in Latin America will decrease in future years as people become more aware of this topic, as well as legislation put in place. Let's get started. For those of you who are unaware of what femicide is, let me explain it for you. Femicide is the killing of women solely because they are women. It is a hate crime against women and could be considered sexist terrorism. Femicide is the most lethal form of violence against women. This form of homicide occurs all around the world, but is most prevalent in Latin American countries. Now, some of you may be wondering, what's the difference between femicide and just another female homicide? Well, Well, femicide's purpose is to keep women oppressed and inferior to men. Michelle Kerrigan and Myra Dawson from the University of Guelph, Canada, explains that factors that distinguish the killing of women from the killing of men suggest that the killing of women reinforces societal notions of what it means to be a woman. Societal concepts of a womanhood include subordination, weakness, and femininity. Gender-based murder arose because of patriarchal ideas and, and cultural beliefs. The patriarchal idea would be considered cultural norms that favor masculinity over femininity. There are two kinds of femicide. The first, pri- the first is private femicide, which occurs between an intimate partner or a family member. The second form is public femicide, which are murders by strangers or acquaintances. Femicide is motivated by men's hatred, contempt, pleasure, or a sense of ownership of women. Men in Latin American countries use femicide as a form of social control to keep women oppressed and afraid. They abuse and murder women and young girls to maintain their dominance in society. The term femicide was first used by Diane Russell and Nicole Vondervin in their book, Crimes Against Women, Proceedings of the International Tribune. These women introduced femicide to the world by stating, we must realize that a lot of homicide is in fact femicide. We must recognize the sexual politics of murder. Russell and Van der Ven view femicide as the ultimate form of terrorism against women. Latin America first acknowledged the femicide pandemic in 1994 at the Palem do Pará Convention. This convention was an inter-American convention that discussed the prevention, punishment, and eradication of violence against women in Latin America. The Palem do Pará Brazil initiative was adopted by all countries in Latin America and the Caribbean in 1994. According to UN Women, this initiative formalized the definition of violence against women as a violation of human rights. The Palem do Pará Convention establishes for the first time the development of mechanisms to protect and defend the rights of women and the fight to eliminate violence against their physical, sexual, and psychological integrity, both in the public and private spheres. This is an extremely important topic because femicide is still not talked about as much. 
Many women are unaware of the idea of gender-based murder. Before reading an article on femicide, I too was unaware and misinformed on this topic. The lack of recognition of this topic shows worldwide that in 2020, women are still subjects to be owned by men. In the 21st century, women are still being seen as objects that can easily be replaced. Factors that contribute to the high rates of femicide in Latin American countries are patriarchal cultural norms, sex trafficking, and the lack of educational, economic, and political equality for women. In Latin America, there's this concept of machismo, which is the idea of having a strong sense of masculine pride. It can be considered the patriarchal version of feminism. This same idea of macho culture is still prevalent in modern society, which is why Latin America has the highest femicide rates in the world. In an interview, a woman explains the, mach the machismo culture in Latin America and how it is the main contributor to femicide. Let's take a listen. Feminicide is a, is a public health issue and it, and it is killing Latin American women and it's not because they were going to rob them or because they were going to nothing. It's because they are women. And it's no wonder that the word machismo is a word in Spanish. And in Latin culture, probably there's, there's misogyny and machismo in all cultures. But in Latin cu cultures, like, we actually brag about it and it's considered to be uh, very macho and virile to be like, uh, you know, how we Latin people are so passionate. So this passion is that, he, that, that the man can kill you because he was so passionate. Another factor that contributes to the high rates of femicide in Latin American countries is human trafficking. Human trafficking is extremely high in Latin America. Human trafficking affects more women than men due to sexual exploitation. This is a large component to the femicide pandemic because many men see women that are trafficked as prostitutes, which are a disgrace to them. Another factor that contributes to the femicide pandemic is the lack of educational, economic, and political equality. In Latin America, women are underrepresented in the political, economic, and educational fields. A lot of women in Latin America are uneducated due to cultural norms that force them to stay at home, to cook, clean, and tend to the children, while men are given education and jobs. In some Latin American countries, women are not allowed to be affiliated with politics. Some believe that this is the role of the man, which again brings to mind the machismo culture. Because of the lack of these fundamental rights, women are seen as ob objects to be owned, which is why femicide is so high in Latin America. A study by the United Nations of Femicide explains that out of the 25 countries listed with the highest femicide rates in the world, 14 of them are located in Latin America and the Caribbean. Out of those 14 Latin American countries, Brazil is the number one country with the highest rates of femicide, and following behind Brazil is Mexico. Brazil has the highest femicide rates out of all of the Latin American countries. Rates of femicide in Brazil tend to be higher in northern states of Brazil. In the northern states, Afro-Brazilian women have high rates of femicide due to domestic violence as well as being targets of human trafficking. The rate of femicide of, Afri of Afro-Brazilian women is sadly continuously increasing in Brazil. A researcher from the Brazilian Public Security Forum, Christina Neme, explains that while the country as a whole saw a reduction in homicides, rates increased in certain states, such as Serra and Roraima, where femicides went up. According to the FS FBSP Annual Brazilian 
Public Security Report, Ramos murder rates have increased by 64.9%. Violent deaths with female victims have skyrocketed to 165.7%. In SETA, the overall homicide rate fell by 10.6%. But among women victims, it has shot up 26.1%. This indicates an absolute rise of female victims. The FBSP calculated a total of 1,206 femicides in 2018. This is 1.1 per 100,000 women, which is a 4% increase from 2017. Although these statistics may seem high to us, in most other states in Brazil, femicide accounts for around 20 to 40% of female homicides. The FBSP reports that reports of domestic violence rose 0.8% in 2018, reaching the alarming rate of one incident per every two minutes. In Brazil, 88.8% of femicides are committed by current or former partners. A case that pushed for femicide legislation was the case of Maria de Penha. According to the Center for Justice and International Law, on May 29, 1983, Maria de Penha Fernandes a Brazilian pharmacist and victim of domestic violence, returned from work and went to bed for the night. Unlike other nights, however, Maria's husband shot her with his revolver as she slept, causing her to become paraplegic. Because of patriarchal culture in Brazil, men are favored in marital relationships. The justice system would not allow her to take her husband to court due to cultural ideals of domestic violence being a private matter between husband and wife not as a public issue or a violation of human rights. Maria was too afraid to obtain a divorce or even a legal separation, so she returned home two weeks later only for her husband to once again try to kill her, this time by electrocuting her. Afterwards, Maria sought out legal assistance. Despite the vast evidence against her husband, the Brazilian justice system re-victimized Maria by asking 19 years later to arrest and incarcerate her husband. As a result of this case, the Maria de Penha law was implemented in 2006. This law was an attempt to decrease the domestic violence and femicide rates in Brazil by increasing the punishment for the domestic abuse offenders and murderers. The Maria de Penha law also led to the requirement of Brazilian authorities to institute shelters for victims as well as to establish a special police organization to address the issue. In an interview with Jacqueline Pittengai, an activist who fought closely with Maria de Penha, explains the legislation that was put in place. Let's take a listen. What does the new legislation do? Of course, it doesn't distinguish anymore in crimes of minor or not. Uh, it, it, it combines both civil law and penal law, criminal law, both. And uh, uh, it uh, has a number of uh, uh, articles that uh, protect uh, the victim uh, from the moment that she goes to a police station and she uh, makes a complaint. But also what is very interesting is that before that law, in cases of domestic violence, it's only the woman, the victim, who could put a complaint. Now, anyone who is a witness can, can go and say, I'm 
you know, I, I'm witnessing in my neighborhood a case of aggression of such and such. So it, it's not necessary anymore for the woman. And second, once she makes the complaint, the process goes on. Because the other thing that was happening is that the woman makes the complaint, she has the courage to com make the complaint, formalized on a police station. But then she is afraid and she goes back and she withdraws. So now the process goes on independently of what happens between the couple. And uh, then also uh, it stipulates that uh, a public officer should go with her to her house in the case that she feels threatened uh, and, and, and uh, until the man leaves the house or on the contrary, until she, she gets her belongings if she doesn't want to remain there anymore. So there is a number of, of articles that protect the victim. Because of the Maria de Penha law, Brazilians are forced to have the conversation about femicide as well as recognize its impact on the women community. This law forces the acknowledgement of the pattern of impunity in the Brazilian legal system regarding domestic violence and femicide. In Mexico, a city called Ciudad Juarez was one of the first places to bring national attention to the femicide pandemic. Femicide was first acknowledged in Mexico in the city of Ciudad Juarez in 1993. During this time, a large quantity of women were migrating to Ciudad due to the North American Free Trade Agreement that was implemented in 1993. This agreement allowed Macladoras, which are large foreign companies, to come and open factories free of taxes and tariffs with the Americas. Because of this agreement, a small female working class was created. The growing community of working class women in Ciudad Juarez created tension within the macho culture. In an essay written by Greg Brown on femicide and, machi and machismo ideals, he explains that this new class of independent working females likely created a tension within a macho culture, which clings to the idea that women belong in the home and should be dependent on men for support. This, in turn, made women targets for femicide in Sayudad. According to Maria Lopez, in Sayudad, also referred to as the capital of femicide, 913 women have been murdered since 2010, and over 3,000 women have been reported missing since the early 1990s. Reports from the National Citizens Feminicide Observatory state that every day six women are assassinated in Ciudad Juarez. Most of these women are found mutilated, dismembered, strangled, stabbed, or even torched, and thrown in vacant lots, sewers, and the desert. The rates of femicide occurrence in Latin America are particularly high, surpassed only by South Africa. According to Kerrigan and Dawson, in Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Colombia, femicide rates range from 6 to 14 per 100,000 population and are 8 to 24 times higher than rates in Canada. Women who are murdered in the name of femicide very rarely get justice for their murders. About 98% of gender-based murders go unpunished. What is shocking is that most times the police officers are aware of who killed the women. They just decide not to arrest or convict them. From the outside looking into many Latin American countries with high femicide rates, many people think that the femicide pandemic is so high because of the police lack of investigation. But that is not true at all. 
The issue is that police and government officials most times give men impunity because they blame the women for their own deaths, especially prostitutes. When reporters try to investigate these murders, many of them end up dead. In Mexico alone, there were over 100 reporters found murdered between 2000 to 2017 for trying to investigate the, the femicide pandemic. As a woman and a feminist, it is really sad and extremely frustrating to hear these stories and, and statistics. In 2020, women are still fighting for the right to be able to just live. Hundreds of women die each day just because they are women. Children are losing their mothers. Parents are losing their daughters solely because of this patriarchal ideal that men are superior than women. As women, we have accomplished so much that we are still fighting for our lives. There is literally a genocide on women and no one is talking about it. Mainstream news outlets won't even cover the topic, but because we are women and we don't give up, we continue to fight and we continue to make noise even if we are not heard right away. In conclusion, looking at all of the data and research, I believe that in future years, femicide could potentially decrease or even be eradicated in Latin America. I feel this way because now people are starting to gain more knowledge on femicide and are beginning to spread awareness about the genocide of women. I also believe that in future years, the femicide pandemic could be eradicated because more women in Latin America are becoming more brave and started to speak out against ancient machismo culture, as well as protesting for women's rights. Women have found that the only way to get their voices heard by judiciary systems and traditional media is by using social media and protesting. Women have managed to spread awareness all around the world through marches such as the World's Women March, the Marcha de Margaritas, and the Slut Walk. Overall, I believe that femicide in Latin America can be reduced and eventually eradicated if people continue to bring awareness to femicide, as well as continue to fight and protest for women's rights. If women all around the world continue to make noise regarding this genocide, then Latin American governments, along with the rest of the world, will have no choice but to listen and enforce change. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it, but also I hope this podcast influenced you guys to educate yourself on the genocide of women and partake in protesting and bringing awareness to the cause. Thank you and see you soon.